this is Dr. Shannon M. Clark with A Doctor Delivers Podcast, and today I am discussing birth trauma with reproductive psychiatrist Dr. Kristen Lassiter. Have a listen. Hello. Hi there. Hi, how are you? It's nice to finally meet you semi-in person, but right. our, new, our new pandemic in person. <laughs> The new norm. <laughs> the new norm. Yeah. I am so happy to have you join me again. I'm Dr. Shannon Clark with Babies After 35, and I am so excited to have Dr. Kristen Lassiter. She is a reproductive psychiatrist with the Reproductive Psychiatry Clinic of Austin, and you founded that, right? I did, yeah. So just real, tell me, how did you, because this is something that, that is not talked about enough, obviously. It is the reproductive psychiatrist, uh, and those services are not something that's, I know a lot of people don't know about. Just tell us what your training was like, what it is that someone like you does, and how they can find people in their area that do something similar to you. So a, a reproductive psychiatrist essentially goes through medical school like a normal psychiatrist and then does psychiatry residency um, and then does additional training in particularly reproductive mental health. So like um, mental health related to pregnancy, postpartum, you know, any kind of reproductive sex hormone changes that can cause exacerbations of mental illness or cause mental mm -hmm. illness in general. Um, and, and not everybody who, who does reproductive psychiatry necessarily has had additional training, but it is something that I think is really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and in order to find, to find a reproductive psychiatrist, you can just go on like PSI, Postpartum Support International, mm -hmm. and they actually have a provider directory of people who have gotten some sort of training or, or um, mental health professionals who are specialized in this area. So can someone who does not do the medical school route and maybe does as far as uh, as a therapist go, they can do that as well, but they're not the MD, they're the therapist Right. Of? Yeah. Okay. So there can be therapists who specialize in mental health related to, you know, birth trauma or mm -hmm postpartum depression, anxiety, pregnancy, all that fun stuff. Nice, nice. Well, what we're here today to talk about is birth trauma. And uh, why am I interested in it? I'm a maternal fetal medicine specialist. And uh, just a little bit about my, my background, I uh, went through several cycles of IVF, um, ended up conceiving via donor egg, um, delivered uh, at 31 weeks with, for, from placental abruption, my twins, nine days shave, my 43rd birthday, after two months of a hospital bed rest, um, due to pretty much a non-existent cervix, several episodes of preterm labor, you know, the, the two months in the hospital were very um, trying to say the least, then six weeks of NICU and then back to work. And I thought, I, honestly, I thought I was okay until they got a little bit older. And then I, I'm trying to think, they're four now, so they were probably about two and a half or three. I started having a lot of uh, feelings and flashbacks, if you will, of that my time in the hospital, my time with them in the NICU, uh, my delivery, because my delivery was traumatic and, you know, general anesthesia, blood transfusion, hemorrhage, I mean, all of that. And uh, I was like, what is going on? You know, and I also work on the same labor and delivery unit where I was hospitalized for two months. So being back in that environment every day, and I realized that something was going on mm -hmm. when it finally clicked with me that this is probably what was happening with me. And I am seeing a therapist now for it, but it took me a while to realize that was, that's what was going on. And then having babies at 35 here, hearing about similar experiences, um, I wanted to just talk about it and explain to people what it is because I get a lot of questions about it. So just first off, what is birth trauma? Well, first, I just want to say that I'm sorry that you had that experience. And, you know, I think it's great mm -hmm. that you're kind of using that experience yeah. to open the conversation for other women, because it is something just like other, mm -hmm. you know, I guess, negative things that can happen around birth. You know, people don't talk about it as much. They right. just want to talk about the happy stuff or, right. you know, the perfect story. And so um, I love that you're bringing it up. Mm -hmm. um, but birth trauma is, is basically any kind of scary, traumatic um, experience that can happen around delivery of of a baby and, and that doesn't even necessarily have to be, you know, a live birth. So sometimes yeah. women can experience that a lot with stillbirths too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the woman who experiences, um, the traumatic, the traumatic episode. It could be, you know, one of the nurses or the physicians or her partner who's there witnessing mm -hmm. it all. Um, so it, you know, it's unfortunately a pretty, 
large encompassing event. Yeah. So, you know, I think with birth trauma, you, what people generally think is that something was done wrong. Like there was a fault of something that happened, which may be part of it and I'm sure could certainly happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, something was done bad to the patient or to cause the trauma. It could just be that it happened unexpectedly, right? So it kind of encompasses everything. Can you right, talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's all about perception, right? It's yeah. all about one person's um, perception of how the event went. So that could be the, the partner who maybe is just really anxious about the birth that's about to happen and, and feels really scared about it. And then, you know, a, a lot of people run in and there's a lot of commotion and maybe they think that their partner's, you know, at risk for serious injury or something like that when it could have just been a normal birth experience, mm -hmm. normal birth experience that, um, you know, they thought was really scary. And I also think there's probably times when people envisioned a certain birth and maybe it just did not go that way. And I, do, is there a component of, and I see this with my patients, there's a component of guilt that maybe they did something wrong to make it not go as they envisioned. Can that be traumatic as well? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a huge piece of trauma in general as people kind of try to place the blame somewhere. And oftentimes that ends up where they place it on themselves. Mm -hmm. And someone just asked and, and where I was going to go with this next, uh, you know, birth trauma, uh, could it be a component of is that there was something physically traumatic, whether it was, you know, I'll just get an example, a fourth degree laceration and under, uh, you know, a, a hemorrhage, a cesarean hysterectomy, something that was caused severe or significant morbidity to mom and or patient and or baby. Does that go, you know, does that, could constitute birth trauma as well? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So any, any kind of, you know, any injury that went on that maybe they weren't expecting or just, you know, even if it was a, a smooth birth, you know, and it was still scary to that person that could, could still be a birth trauma. But when something goes wrong or something doesn't go as, as they thought it would or planned, mm -hmm. then that definitely increases the risk for somebody perceiving it as traumatic. And, and yeah, um, I mean, so for me, I, you know, I had experienced everything that I treat, you know, I, as a high risk obstetrician that I have seen with my patients. And although, you know, nothing was negligently done to me or anything, it was traumatic in the fact that I, I think I had no control. Uh, you know, there was a constant looming over my head that I was going to lose my pregnancy or my twins. And then having the, you know, unexpected birth and all that, that's kind of what was traumatizing to me, but it could be you know, something else happened that was physically traumatizing as well. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I am sure that not everybody that has, a, you know, an, uh, unanticipated events during their birth experiences birth trauma. So what are the symptoms of birth trauma that people might need to look out for that might indicate that that could be what's going on? That's a great question because I, I think this is the part where a lot of people don't catch it because they think like, Oh, I'm what I'm experiencing maybe right. is just normal or I'm, I'm just not, you know, doing good enough to get through it. Um, but there's a specific cluster of, of symptoms that can happen that indicate that somebody's experiencing, um, you know, trauma from their birth experience. So first of all is they, they have like some re-experiencing of the event. So they, maybe have nightmares of the event happening or they have like memories of it that just kind of pop into their head when they're at least expecting it or, or don't intend for those thoughts to come back up. Um, or maybe they have like flashbacks, like they're mm -hmm. there again and it's all happening again. Um, they can also have negative thoughts and cognitions and, and a change in their mood for that's different from how mm -hmm. they normally are. So they kind of go their whole life being one way and then all of a sudden this trauma happens and maybe they're constantly feeling depressed or yeah. they're constantly feeling anxious or, or on edge or like they can't enjoy things. Um, and then they can avoid things. So that's mm -hmm. one of the other issues is that they don't, um, they, you know, don't want to be around what reminds them of the event because it was so scary. And so maybe it's, you know, certain smells or, or places or whatever, or it could just be actual feelings that, mm -hmm. that remind them of the event. Or avoiding a next pregnancy. 
or avoiding an expectancy. Yeah, I've heard, I've one. heard, I've heard of that too. I think uh, one of my components as well was just being on edge and kind of always worried that something was going to happen. Um, and it was a little bit different than maybe postpartum anxiety. It was more, uh, and I think hypervigilant is the word that's used. I was just probably over the top as a, as a new mom too, especially in the NICU with that. So that can be a component of it or might've been a component of it with me. Um, so if, if, if people are experiencing these types of things, the other component was the flashbacks too, but I didn't experience them until later. Do, do people typically experience these symptoms right off the bat or can it develop over time? Usually for the majority of the people, I think it's something that kind of comes close to the event, okay. um, but it is something that can develop over time. You know, it, it might've been really scary and then they kind of shut it out of their mind and then something else pops up that remake, makes them remember and relive the whole thing. And then they start getting yeah. PTSD symptoms. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, looking back, cause it, it's been four years and a few months since I delivered and four and a half since, you know, being pregnant and, and, the, and the, you know, I really don't think I had those symptoms until they were about two and a half, really. Maybe it's because I was so busy, you know, with yeah. newborn, you know, having babies and working. And once I got kind of settled down that I knew they were going to be okay is probably when my mind had time to relax and then all the stuff started coming back. Mm -hmm. That's what I think might've happened with me. Yeah. I yeah. That makes total sense. Cause I mean, those first couple of years, especially with newborns, but the, you know, with twins, it's yeah. probably very uh, chaotic and yeah, a little, a little chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> a little chaotic. Yeah. So, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit, but as far as who gets birth trauma, really it could be anyone. Uh, and it's not just the, the patient, like you said, it could be whoever was in, in the delivery with them, a partner, sp you know, spouse, family member. Mm-hmm. Anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it, I'm sure it's much more common with the patient themselves though. Yeah. I think it is more common with the patients. Um, and, but there are a lot of like healthcare workers who can experience yeah. Um, yeah, birth yeah. trauma too. Um, but people who have, you know, had a traumatic experience in their life beforehand are also more likely to, to have right. birth trauma. And, and you mentioned the healthcare workers, um, like the labor and delivery nurses, the physicians delivering babies. Um, you know, uh, I love my job. And it's great. I love what I do, but it can also be very difficult, especially dealing with pregnancy loss. And I can imagine there probably that years of deal, dealing with that as well may have compounded when I went through mm -hmm. it myself, um, which was probably overlooked for many years until I actually went through it. But you're right. I mean, I, I know that some of the things that we see can be very traumatic, especially when it's around birth or, or bad outcomes. Um, and there probably should be a lot more support for healthcare providers, especially who yeah. are in that situation. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, I think it was in medical school. I had a really traumatic, um, patient that I had to take care of and, and there was no support around it. There yeah. was no kind of, you know, let's talk about this horrible yeah. thing that happened. Um, and it's just almost expected like, oh, because you're a doctor, you, you should expect these things to happen and just yeah. kind of get on with your life. Yeah. Or that we have a thick and, you know, we develop that thick skin. And I remember the, my first call, uh, taking call after I went back to work, the first baby I delivered was a stillbirth and I will never forget it. And I, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was rough. It yeah. was very rough. And I still think about that. And I, uh, again, it took me a little while longer to realize what was going on, but I'm finally, I finally did. But I know uh, one of the keys with being in healthcare and having gone through it myself is I, I can't let it take away the joy of my job. So it's been, you know, you, I have to actively keep working at that to make sure that that, that doesn't happen. But it's, you yeah. know, it's a process yeah. for sure. Right. Definitely. <clears throat> so w when we talk about, we already talked about who can get it. What would be some of the more common um, factors that make birth trauma more likely to happen to someone? So that's a good question. Um, I would say the, the first thing is that, you know, a lot of times people can kind of have expectations or ideas of, of what birth might be like. And um, that can kind of, I don't want to say like set somebody up for, something bad, but it, you know, I think when we are, um, hoping that, that there's going to be a lot of control over a certain event yeah. or, um, you know, hoping that things will turn out a certain way. Um, sometimes that can 
can, when it doesn't work out that yeah. way, that can trigger, um, you know, a lot of disappointment, a lot of emotions around it, which is completely normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, sometimes that plays a, plays a big role in it. And so, you know, women who have had um, trauma in the past also tend to, to be more worried about control. And yes. so, you yes. know, ha- feeling like I'm out of control in this moment, or I don't know what's going to happen um, is really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, our brains already in this fight or flight mode for, for a lot of people. Um, and then, and then, you know, the way that it's handled sometimes yes. can increase the risk for people to have birth trauma, you know, if, if people weren't um, communicating well, or weren't asking permission to do things or, um, which sometimes is hard in, in yeah. birth in general, um, that can increase the risk too. Yeah. I mean, there, given what we're, you know, with the push to, uh, and the more education about maternal morbidity, mortality in the United States, I think this all kind of plays in because, you know, I hear in obstetrics, uh, there is uh, probably not as, as much communication as there should be. And uh, I think patients do feel that they do lose a lot of power and control. And it's not that they're trying to be control freaks, but having being involved in what's going on, having going the extra mile to extra, it should actually shouldn't even be an extra mile, but explaining things instead of just being paternalistic or expecting them to accept whatever it's being done. You know, we need to have that dialogue and explain everything to them and answer questions and ask, do you have questions? You know, that can go a long way in obstetrics. And I think it's, you know, it's a very vulnerable time, you know, birth. You, Mm -hmm. if it's your your first time mom or a 10 time mom, if you have complications or you don't, you're bringing another life into the world. There's two patients to consider and, um, you know, things can get heated. They can change at the drop of a hat. I know I've been doing this for 20 years and trying to minimize the lack of the communication and make sure we still, even when we feel like we don't have time. We have to take time to explain what's going on because that can go a long way. Yeah, and absolutely. I think part of it is that that's not happening enough, you know, not being listened to uh, or feel like there's a lack of privacy or dignity. Um, you know, patients not being treated well. Um, you said pregnancy loss or stillbirth obviously is a very traumatic experience. Um, or if there was a birth injury where something happened, the baby was injured in birth. You know, there's, there's so many things that can, that can contribute to it. But, you know, what I think the important thing is what we, and this as the public might think, qualifies as a traumatic event doesn't mean that that's correct. I think right. we try, uh, people are probably made to feel, well, you, your baby's home. You're fine. Just get over it. Mm-hmm. Why is that the wrong approach? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when we're not validating somebody's experience, and we're just kind of brushing it off. I mean, that's, that's when things get worse, even if we do that to ourselves, even if we're just kind of like, you know, suck it up. It's not a big deal. It it makes us feel worse. And Mm -hmm. so having somebody else do it, too, is just, it's awful. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's not up to someone else to decide what you're supposed to feel uh, with your birth experience. And I think that, um, addressing it sooner than later. Uh, you know, we tend to feel like because we have, we're home and we're safe, we're not supposed to be able to have those feelings. But if you have them, you have them. And I think only burying them or trying to push them aside is only going to make it worse over time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, we've talked about what birth trauma is and kind of parlaying into that. What is it specifically about birth trauma that makes it so hard for other people and even the patient to accept as something that really happened. What is it about that? Is it because the baby and the mom are ultimately safe and okay? It's supposed to negate everything else that happened. Is that what it is? Or is it something even more than that? You know, I think it's different for different cases, but I think a lot of it has to do with what we place on birth and delivery are kind of our, um, you know, picture that we paint around how birth is and, oh, you have a newborn baby, you should be so happy. And, you know, birth is just this beautiful miracle of life. And, um, and so I think people kind of feel like, oh, well, I I can't have a negative experience, or if I have a negative experience, something's wrong with me, or I I did something wrong, or, Mm. you know, I'm kind of the, the odd one out. Um, and, and when in reality, it's everybody's experience is different and mm. people can, you know, people can have 
even somebody can have a, a good birth experience yeah. or something that they see as positive, but could still have some scary things happening around it that can trigger some, some trauma for them. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's uh, whatever you're feeling, you have the right to feel whatever you're feeling, no matter what else anybody says. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, it's not especially, but it can happen in someone who's had infertility. And then, you know, they, you know, just use that software example. I went through a lot to get my babies. And even though I had some traumatic experiences, there was a part of me that said, I should just be happy that I got babies. Why am I even thinking about this? You know, I, I'm being selfish or it's not fair of me to feel that way. Um, but no matter how much I told myself that, I still had those feelings. I was like, well, I either had to address them or it's going to keep eating at me. And then once I started talking to someone about that and having these conversations like I'm having with you, then I realized, I realized that, you know, it, it can happen to anyone and it doesn't make me unappreciative or ungrateful for the babies that I have. Um, I had some legitimate things that happened around my pregnancy journey and birth journey as well. And, uh, you know, I went through a lot. So I think we have to allow ourselves a little bit of grace, right? And even Absolutely. if we're not getting it from somebody else. And we, even though we might want to get it from that person and they may not be validating how you're feeling, you can validate yourself and, and get help, right? Absolutely. And I think that that's even more the reason to validate yourself if, if people aren't supporting you in, in your experience or what you're feeling. I mean, screw them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not yeah. um, their decision. It's not, you know, nobody tells you how to feel or how to experience something. It's completely subjective. And so... Um, yeah, I think we need to be supportive of ourselves and, and yeah. what we're feeling and going yeah. through. So, you know, you hear, we hear a lot when we talk about being postpartum. I mean, we know everybody, not everybody, but we're constantly reminded of what postpartum depression is. Now, then we start talking a lot about what postpartum anxiety is. Then we started talking about, and I've talked about it here with your colleague, Dr. Haynes, about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which is kind of the umbrella with different things, you know, postpartum OCD. You know, we're talking about more of those things that I think is great um, and understanding all of that and that it's not all postpartum depression. You know, we've been taught that that's the biggest thing, the postpartum blues, postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis. That's what I was taught, even as an OBGYN, but we know that it's much more involved than that. And we're trying to get the word out there with people such as yourself educating on that. Where does birth trauma fit? Does, is birth trauma a separate entity? Like, for example, if I'm looking at perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, is birth trauma one of them? Or does it fall under the umbrella of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety? Where does it fall in that spectrum, if you will? So it's, it's part of the umbrella of postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. If you had to pick a place where, you know, whether it's more of a mood or anxiety, I'd probably stick it more under the anxiety piece okay. because it's kind of this traumatic and stressful yeah. event that happens. And for a lot of people, a, a huge component of that is anxiety because it kind of taps into that fight or flight, um, you know, response and, yeah. and piece of our brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're all, we've all done a great job of bringing awareness to postpartum depression, but I think that that lays out a huge piece yeah. of what also goes on with postpartum yeah. anxiety or birth trauma or, you know, having panic attacks postpartum or, you know, OCD postpartum that a lot of women experience. And they're like, well, I'm not depressed. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they're not depressed, but they, they're still going through something that is just as difficult. Yeah. And then the PTSD, what is different about, because I know they're similar in a lot of ways, or what, what am I trying to say? The, the crux of birth trauma is PTSD in a way, but is there yeah. any difference or is, uh, am I saying that right? How are they similar and how are they different? Yeah. So, so again, if we're using like the umbrella analogy, mm -hmm. so PTSD is, um, is kind of the overarching issue. Birth trauma is a portion of PTSD. So it's, mm -hmm. it's something that, can, can cause PTSD or lead mm -hmm. to PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, but then, then there's also, you know, PTSD is a very um, clinical diagnosis. So there's mm -hmm. also things, you know, people can experience a trauma and not necessarily have PTSD, but have a lot of symptoms of um, uh, that have come up because of the trauma. Mm -hmm. So how, how does you go about diagnosing? Do you diagnose birth trauma or do you diagnose PTSD 
because of birth trauma. Does that make sense? So yeah. how do you diagnose it? What is the diagnosis process? Yeah. So for, for diagnosing it, it's PTSD. So there's okay. not nothing in our little um, criteria yeah. thing that, that specifically does birth trauma, which is, um, you know, I think a disservice in terms of yeah. perinatal mood and anxiety disorders yeah. in general, they've done a really bad job at, at um, having diagnosed diagnostic criteria for those things. Mm-hmm. But for PTSD, yeah, it's something that, you know, you go and see a psychologist, psychiatrist, or, you know, physician about who then kind of discusses all of your symptoms with you and discusses the event with you and maybe not in detail, but just kind of getting an understanding of what happened and then decides whether or not you meet the criteria. Mm -hmm. And so once you have that diagnosis, now you could have PTSD, birth trauma, and a component of anxiety or OC, you know, so you could have some of the other things that overlapped, right? You can have Mm -hmm. more than one diagnosis that may or may not even be related. Um, But, you know, going through what I'm trying to say is going through the process to figure out where things are coming from and kind of sort things out is what's going to help in the treatment phase, right? So what are the treatment options? If someone's diagnosed with birth birth trauma, PTSD, what are the potential treatment options? So there's, there's a few, the, Mm -hmm. And that's what I usually tell. I mean, you, you, you cut out. You said there's a few was the last thing we heard. So oh, there's a few, but the biggest one is, is therapy. So going mm-hmm. and getting um, therapy for, you know, the traumatic event that happened, kind of talking through and processing what went on. Because, you know, whenever there's anything traumatic that goes on for us, our, our default for our brain is to kind of shut off or, or you know, bury it or, um, you know, survive it, essentially. And so getting getting professional help with talking through it is a huge portion of it. Um, Medication can also be a big piece of it. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, um, doing both is kind of the the gold standard. But for Mm -hmm. a lot of people, they they need the medication piece to help them even get through the therapy piece of it, because maybe it was just too much for them. And then there's other things, you know, like, um, there's like yoga or meditation, different um, alternative Mm -hmm. therapies that people can do also. Well, you know, when I started with my therapy, you know, we didn't just start from that experience. What she wanted to know was, tell me about your life. Was there anything that happened beforehand that is also, that was not resolved, that's also playing into this? And is that something that needs to be done as well, just to see if there's anything else that might have be compounding into the snowball that's now presenting itself as what I thought was this birth trauma. But now I realize there were some other things, you know, through my, my life that have probably not left me with the best coping skills as a result. I not, wasn't able to cope, cope as well with what happened during my childbirth and pregnancy. Is that part of the process as well? Yeah. It's, you know, everybody's so complex in our experiences and have happened before, even, you know, our genetic makeup of, you know, our temperament and things yeah. like that yeah. all kind of combine to, um, and some people will just create this perfect formula for them getting PTSD or, or experiencing birth trauma. Um, so yeah, addressing all the other things that have gone on is super important. You can't just look at one isolated event and, you know, focus on that one thing and, and say, you know, okay, we, we solved that issue. Now you're good to go. It's usually Mm -hmm. a kind Mm -hmm. of a, a complex issue. Yeah, it's a process. And, and, you know, and while, while we're on it, you know, I, obviously I am an advocate for therapy and I'm an advocate for treatment. I I've done talks about this and not just because of my own personal experiences, but because of my job and I, and I deliver babies and I see things that happen and I know what the aftermath can be, you know, it's okay to get help. And just because you go to seek help doesn't mean they're going to write you a prescription and send you on your way. If that's what happens, then maybe you should find someone else. You might, and you can give some tips on that. It, sometimes it might t- take a few tries to find the right person for you to help you through this process. And sometimes you might need medication too. But, you know, what are kind of some of the kind of tips, you know, because going through something like this with, with a therapist or a psychiatrist, it's very personal. You have to have some kind of connection with the person you're talking, revealing all this stuff to. So what, is, what are some of the tips that you might have for people who are willing to take that first step to find someone and that maybe it might not be the right person. What are some of the tips that you can give to help them find the right person if you would, or the right provider? Yeah, that's so hard. Um, yeah. It's hard because, you know, 
providers are people too, yeah. right? So there's some people that you'll go to and mm-hmm. they just, maybe their own experiences yeah. are kind of influencing how they're reacting to what you're saying, or they're just, you know, don't maybe have a full understanding of mm-hmm. mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think going and getting help is, is so huge and such a, yeah. it's such a difficult step. And so I think if you're going to do that and, and be brave enough to step out and, and let someone know that, you know, you're struggling, um, it's just sticking with it and finding mm-hmm. somebody who's going to validate what you're going through. I think it's helpful to go to people who specialize in mental health and yeah. especially who specialize in trauma because they, they've seen it all. They know all of, um, the experiences that can happen and they understand, you know, what you're going through usually a little bit mm-hmm. better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I also want to just point out that going and getting help is, is huge for your kids too. Yeah. Like yes. it, yes. it's, you know, it's a lot of times I think people think, oh, I'm being weak or I'm being selfish, but it's, you're doing something huge for yes. yourself and for your children, because the way that we interact with them is, is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, th- so don't get discouraged if the first person you go to is not the right person or you, it, it just doesn't seem right. You try, go to the, you know, find someone else, look at what was this? What would the site you said to go to? Where you postpartum up, Support International. Postpartum Support International, and I've been mm-hmm. to that site. You could put in information to find out people who do uh, reproductive uh, psychiatry um, and therapy as well in your area, and start with someone like that. Look, you know, look for, uh, ref, you know, ask those around you, or ask your obstetrician. A lot of the obstetricians have people that they work with, so you could ask other providers who, you know, especially obstetrician or whoever was taking care of you during your pregnancy. Um, to see if they have recommendations on who you could go to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always have that in my back pocket just in case, you know. Um, That's awesome. Okay, so if, um, one of the questions I hear, if I had if I had birth trauma, PTSD, and one pregnancy, and I'm ready to try it again, how can I possibly get through the next pregnancy? What is it that I need to do? Obviously then, obviously the first thing is get help after the first pregnancy, you know, get, start some therapy, start some, you know, whatever you need to do, but how can they possibly get through the next pregnancy? Because I know some people just feel like there's no way they can do another pregnancy or birth. Yeah. I think, I think getting help is, is the key, right? Like I don't think that it's good to go through it alone. I think Mm -hmm. that you need other people to help you get through it. You know, it's, it would be really hard to kind of manage going through another pregnancy without, you know, the support around whether it's family or, you know, professional support or, um, you know, medication or whatever. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, I think it feels daunting because it is a really challenging Mm -hmm. thing to go through. And so making sure that you have a really good support around you to get through it is, is the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is possible, you know, we're, we're, um, we're very adaptive people, creatures. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's possible for us to, to do just about anything. And I think having, you know, the, the right people around you to help you get through that is important. Yeah. And while we're kind of talking about it, one thing that I want to tell anyone that's listening is if you've had a birth experience or pregnancy experience, even NICU experience, and you do not understand exactly what happened and why. If things didn't, you know, didn't happen the way you planned and you had something traumatic and you really don't understand, you've got to ask questions. In those post, few postpartum days, what happened? One thing that I do, because I do high-risk obstetrics, I know I do a lot of crash C-sections. I have a lot of outcomes that are not ideal. I always go maybe the next day or the couple days after and say, let's go over what happened. Do you understand what happened? Do you want to talk about it again? Most of the time they want to go over it again just to go over it again. And not, maybe not all doctors do that, but you have the right to ask what happened. Why did I end up with a blood transfusion? Why did my baby end up in the NICU? Why was I in the ICU? Ask questions. Maybe you don't feel like asking it at the immediate time, but maybe a month later, you're starting to wonder why. Make an appointment and go talk to them about it. Because 
there's way too many, and I see this all the time, way too many people that I take care of that have had instances in their pregnancies and birth that they don't understand, still don't understand what happened. And it's been years. And I can't imagine not knowing what happened and how do I figure it out? Because I go back and get their records and then I figure it out. So you have the right to ask questions and get answers, whether it's right after delivery, a couple days after delivery or a month after delivery, you have the right to get those questions answered. So you fully understand exactly what happened. I think that's yeah. a, might be a component to helping the situation too, right? Cause it, maybe if you don't really understand that might compound and you might think about the worst case scenario or you may not fully comprehend what happened. Does that, is that a component as well? I think it's a huge component. Yeah. Being able to understand the actual facts of what went on can help you, you know, say, okay, see, it wasn't my fault that, that this outcome happened. It was because X, Y, and Z, or, yeah. you know, being able to really understand the facts and, and the events that went on um, is super important. And it's your right. Like you said, it's something that you um, deserve to know you shouldn't feel shy or, or scared about asking for that information. It's definitely Yeah. Someone, you know, and someone had copied and we'll go through some questions after this, but sometimes we don't know. Sometimes I don't know why the baby crashed, you know, or the baby's mm -hmm. heart rate went down. Sometimes I don't know. And I will say that I don't know, but this is what happened. The heart rate, you know, or I don't know why that patient started bleeding and needed an emergent delivery. I sometimes I don't know, you know, why X, Y, and Z happened. I try to give as much of an explanation as possible, but even then, as long as you're having that conversation with your provider and you hear it from them um, and try to get as many questions, even if there's a couple of I don't knows in there, at least you're having that question and you know that it wasn't something that you did or didn't do. You know, I think that's a huge thing. And if there's any providers listening, we're talking about obstetrics where we're delivering moms and people who are having babies in a very vulnerable period of time, and we want the best case scenario, and unfortunately, it's not always that way. If you're a provider listening, take a minute to explain and answer all those questions because it's so, so important that they leave with as best understanding as possible as what as to what happened because it, it, it makes a big difference. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. So let's go through. We have a few minutes to ask, ask some questions. There's a lot of questions here. Let me see if we can get through all of them. Let's see. Um, I consider my birth experience traumatic, although someone else might not, and that's fine for them. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I say this all the time. Social media and the different platforms we have uh, for mom groups, parent groups, certain special groups for certain special things, it's wonderful. The community that people can, can be exposed to online is wonderful. But there's also a downside because a lot of people have a lot to say about things that had nothing to do with them. And, and sometimes you can get some not so supportive uh, advice or, you know, you may not be validated. So you have to take those, uh, just to caution, you have to take those groups and those things with a grain of salt. I don't know if that's the right thing, but for what it is. And make sure if you're not getting supported, whether it's a group online or it's a family member, that you don't deal with that. I mean, it's so important. So I'm sure yeah, you, you yeah, know, have boundaries. Yeah, you have to have boundaries because um, I find it very hard for anyone to say, and I hear, you know, you, why are you worried about that? Or that's no big deal. That happened to me or did it. And it's so dismissive and I, they may not be intending to be dismissive, but it is. And so you just have to make sure you, you find the support and be, keep those people close to you that are supporting you. Yeah. I mean, you just went through something that was really hard. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if somebody's not going to be supportive or validating your feelings, then, you know, you have every right to, to tell them, Hey, I can't, I can't deal with you right now, or I can't talk to you right now. Well, that's why it's even more, it's important to have a therapist because that person is a, you know, impartial and they can help you talk through those things and help you work that out. Um, because that's what they do. That's their specialty. And that can, they can help validate things and how you're feeling um, because that's, they're, they're the professionals. And the, I love you guys. I really do. I, I really, really highly uh, recommend anyone to see someone like Dr. Laster because it's so, so helpful. And um, I wish there was more, but there is starting to become more, right? More yeah. reproductive psychiatry. I mean, I, I wish we could have one in a few in every city. We're not yeah, there yet, awesome. but hopefully we will be, right? One day yeah. we'll be there. Yeah. Um, Let's see. 
we talked about so this have to do with trauma, like physical trauma. We, we talked about that, that it's not always just emotional or mental trauma. It, it can be a physical, physically traumatic birth or mm-hmm. pregnancy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. What can we do during birth to reduce the experience of trauma? Hmm. So mm-hmm. from my perspective as someone who delivers babies, I think asking questions, um, when someone comes in the room to examine your cervix, when they come in to start Pitocin, or if they come in to change position for you, ask why. Yeah. You can ask I think, why. I think communication, communication. is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Communication goes a and, long way. Yeah. And telling them what you need or what you want too. Yes, like yeah. don't, don't just touch me without asking me yes, or, yes. you know, I want you to explain everything before you do it or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll give an example, you know, uh, I've been a part of some really urgent cesarean sections where things were fine one minute, the next, it was not, not just cesarean sections or bursts or whatever. I found, and I've developed this over the years because I've evolved in my abilities as a clinician. I will lean over to the patient and I will say, as people are pulling things out of the wall to get her, listen, we're doing this. We have to get baby out now because of X, Y, and Z. And I know this is scary, but I, I just want you to trust us. We're going to get through this. And as soon as it's over, we'll talk and answer all of your questions. And that goes a long way. I, cause sometimes I don't have five minutes and sometimes we don't. And if I did, of course I would take more time. And I found that when I started doing that, it was, it's been years ago. I started doing that. It changed a lot and I could just see them kind of be like, okay. And it meant a lot. And so I try to do that whenever I'm in that situation and it, 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 it helps. And then obviously once they're recovered and we have time to have the more in-depth conversation, we have that in-depth conversation. So I think communication is key and expecting it, expecting answers is, mm-hmm. is fine, is, is within your right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I love my job as a perinatal nurse, preparing moms with the possibility of the unexpected at a birth. I always appreciate conversations like these. Oops. Yeah. Let's see. For infertility. Okay, and we talked about, yeah, the whole infertility trauma uh, that goes along and plays into pregnancy and birth trauma. I'm sure I, I know part of that carried over with me as well. Do you see that a lot? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think in general people who have had like birth trauma, reproductive trauma, mm-hmm. or sexual trauma. It tends yes. to put them at a much higher risk for experiencing birth trauma again. So, so I want you you touched on the sexual trauma thing. I have found, even as I, and I consider myself a very uh, I have, I'm a good communicator with my patients. I can get a lot out of my patients and I still find it. And I, I, I get it. It's still hard for them to tell me about the sexual trauma. And sometimes it don't find out until they're here for delivery. And then I realize that something's up. They can't tolerate the exam. They can't, they're scared. I mean, and it, things completely change and that's when it's revealed. Okay. I, I encourage anyone that's been through that and you're going through a pregnancy did you start the conversations early with your provider? Even if it's a little bit at a time, hey, th- something happened, I just want you to know. And then as you start to develop a rapport with your provider over time, then maybe more and more can come out so they understand what's going on with you. It's important too, because we can make plans for your delivery. Maybe an early epidural if you want, limiting cervical checks, which is always an o- option for anybody actually. Um, coming up with a plan to not to make the experience not as traumatizing or traumatizing at all for you. We can't do that unless we know. So what for people who have experienced sexual trauma and they're going to give birth, what are some of them to maybe to, to better communicate with someone like me about what's going on? And, and is, am I making sense? Mm-hmm. You are making yeah. sense. It's, it's hard because I think a lot of times there's a lot of shame yes. around sexual trauma. And so people don't want to share that information with with anyone mm-hmm. or maybe not even admit it to themselves yeah um but I think sharing it with your doctor is is so important because then they can help you get through it a lot better and mm-hmm. and that's you know if they don't know that 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 has been part of your history or yes. that's part of your past it they can't do as much to protect you yeah. and um and you don't have to 
tell everything, Yeah, right? You can just be as vague as you want. You can, you don't even have to tell the circumstances of what had happened. Mm -hmm. You can just say, I don't like when somebody does this, or I don't like when somebody says these words or this phrase, or, you know, give them specifics on, on what is bothersome, what's triggering to you. Yeah. I mean, I think that's important because again, as someone who's delivered a gazillion babies, there are things that we can do um, to help make the experience uh, better for you. Um, but we can't help unless we know. And again, you don't have to tell me all of this. You can tell me as much as you want or as little as you want, but just as long as I know, then we can come up with a plan. Okay. And, and to get you through that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you had mentioned too, for treatment, um, you said therapy is the first goal. Is it common to need a uh, medication or, uh, you know, therapeutics for, for patients with birth trauma? So I probably have a biased, um, opinion because I am a physician. And so I prescribe a lot of yes. medications. Um, so people who I see are people who probably need, you know, they probably tried therapy already and then they're coming to me because they need medications. But I think, you know, if we're, if we're looking at research and looking at, at evidence, um, doing therapy and taking medication is, is the best, you know, the gold standard type thing in terms of getting better faster and not having a relapse in those symptoms mm-hmm. coming back. Okay. Um, if you have any resources you'd like to share, I'd be happy to post them um, up on uh, my Instagram. So I, you know, just send them to me and I'll, you know, any articles or any sites that you like um, along with this video. And that way they can, they can take a look at that because I'd be I'd honestly be interested in looking at that, looking at that myself. So yeah, okay. obviously if you go to someone that's not an MD that doesn't prescribe medication, they're going to be more of the therapy, but uh, it's been my experience too, that if you have a therapist that is, they have some training in saying, you know what, this, patient might need more than what I can give them. They might need, you know, someone like Dr. Lassiter because I do think they need their, you know, medication. Um, what, what type of medications typically are, would be prescribed for someone that is experiencing PTSD birth trauma? Usually your antidepressants. Mm-hmm. So like SSRI, Zoloft, Prozac, Lexapro, mm-hmm. those types of medications. And someone mentioned, I've heard that EMDR is very effective. What is EMDR? EMDR is a type of therapy that's mm. used for trauma. It's eye movement desensitization. Yes. Something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's several different types of therapy for, for trauma in general. And so EMDR is a good one. Cognitive processing therapy mm. or CPT is one that has a lot of evidence behind it. Um, cognitive behavioral therapy for trauma. CBT um, is also another one. Um, exposure therapy. So there's a lot of really good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do all therapists or psychiatrists offer all the types of therapy or do they specialize in certain types of therapy or is, is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, they usually, they specialize in a specific type of therapy. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, in general therapists kind of get training on different modalities mm-hmm. of therapy. Mm-hmm. And then usually it's honestly, they kind of blend different ones to, to help someone um, okay. with, you know, their specific issue, but um, yeah, usually mm-hmm. they need a training on, on something. So a question here is, or a comment says they want to medicate me too, but I'm breastfeeding. So I'm, so I'm scared it will affect my baby's brain. Here's my two cents in the of years. A healthy mom parent mentally, emotionally, physically is necessary for a healthy child and baby. If medication is recommended and it, it's likely to help you, you should can seriously consider taking that advice. The baby's going to be fine breastfeeding with There's many medications to be given in breastfeeding. Um, we should not withhold medication treatment from any person because they're pregnant or lactating or breastfeeding. That is a disservice to all pregnant persons and lactating persons because we can't have a healthy pregnancy or parent if we're not treating them. Some people don't need medication and some do. If you are someone that does, that doesn't make you weaker, a worse parent, a worse anything, uh, you might find that it's making, it's going to make things better for you. So I would 
check the resources. We, we have tons of things that we can give in pregnancy and lactation and breastfeeding that are safe and have some data and good data. Um, but you have to think about the consequences. If you're not getting the medication that you need and you need it, what are the potential consequences of that? Right. What are your right. thoughts on the medication? That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my, my big thing. And I yes. always try to remind people is, you know, we always focus on the medication being bad and mm-hmm. what are the effects of the medication. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, the, the illness that you're going yep. through is much more yes. of a high risk thing for you and for your baby. So the way that yes. we interact with our baby, how our affect, so our expressions, our tone of voice, yep. all that stuff even when they're just a few days old is, is super important for their own brain development. And so if you're not, you know, taking care of yourself mentally, and maybe that's taking medication, um, you're doing a disservice to your baby too, in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, I think medication can be for some people, you know, the only thing that can get them better. And, and that doesn't mean that, that, like you said, they're doing anything wrong or, or, you know, they're not trying hard enough. You know, mental illness is still an illness. The brain's just an organ in our body. And sometimes we can do all the right things, yes. um, but we'll still have mental illness. Yeah. Um, one other comment. And then um, we, we have about four more minutes here. Um, don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Um, I think that's huge. Yes. Advocate for yourself, but you can also have an advocate with you. Whoever your support person is during your labor and delivery process uh, pregnancy is important too. They could be your advocate to help listen, uh, ask questions, you know, with you, for you, uh, take notes. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Because of the pandemic, I know sometimes visitors are limited. Um, you know, I offer um, to have someone else call in or listen in. And, and if, you, if there's someone they want to be on the phone, we're having a discussion, that's fine too. Um, you know, just to have that extra support person with you. So there are things that we can do even in the pandemic to help you have that advocate um, if you need it. Um, what are your thoughts on advocate first advocating for yourself, but also having that advocate with you? I think that's really important, especially if you've had a traumatic birth in the past to have like yes. a, a doula or somebody who's there with you who can um, kind of be the conduit in terms of communication, but also be able to, to speak up in case you kind of freeze up or, or, you know, something scary happens. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. I think that's a, yeah, that's really important. And we just, uh, another question, does psychiatric medication affect the babies when breastfeeding? Um, again, there's plenty of data on a lot of medications that we have that can, you know, be covered with you. Um, and I'm sure you've been in that situation many times with your patients. Um, but also the flip side is, is not being medicated and needing it. And all the things that Dr. Lasseter mentioned about, you know, the way you talk, the way you interact with your baby can be just as, uh, harmful if it's left untreated. So you have to kind of weigh the risk and the benefits. Um, and it's perfectly fine to have a conversation with someone like Dr. Lasseter. Talk about what are the risk and benefits of me not being on this medication? And what are the risk and the benefits of me being on this medication and have that conversation and then making an informed decision based on what comes out of that conversation. Yeah. And doing your research too. Do so your research. We'll, yeah. We'll put up some resources yeah. in our grade. Yeah. Um, for learning about that. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have. I want to thank you so much. I think it's been very helpful. This will be listed on my Instagram feed and it'll also be under my Instagram TV. Um, and then if there's any resources, Dr. Lasseter will send my way, I'll put them on Instagram stories and that will filter down into my mental health um, highlights and they'll be there forever. So you can, you know, get those, get them that way. But tell everybody again where you're located. You're in Austin, Texas. I'm in Austin, Texas. Yep. And I'm uh, the reproductive psychiatrist on Instagram. Reproductive psychiatrist on Instagram. And uh, the Postpartum Support International is where you could find other pa- uh, people similar to Dr. Lasseter to, uh, in your area. Um, mm-hmm. I'll also find that and I'll put it in my Instagram stories as well so people can use that resource. Thank you again. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Until t- I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Now tune in for the next discussion on male factor and secondary infertility.